accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We're continuing our coverage of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now we're up to the episode called Hard Time. First aired on the 15th of April, 1996. It's the 19th episode of the fourth season. We're almost done with season four. Time is flying by. It was a teleplay that goes to Robert Hewitt Wolf. Story credit goes to Daniel Keyes Moran and Lynn Barker, directed by Alexander Singer. It's Singer's last directorial credit on this series. In this episode... Convicted of espionage, Miles O'Brien is given the memories of 20 years in prison in a matter of hours. Returning to DS9, O'Brien finds he cannot shrug the memory of this awful experience or rid himself of the guilt he feels of the death of his cellmate. We're joined by Clay. Clay, how are you? I'm good. And you know, before we start here, I just want to say something. We're covering hard times. And you know, you don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them to go home. And hard times are when a man has worked a job for 30 years, 30 years, and they give him a watch and they kick him in the butt and they say, hey, a computer took your job, daddy. That's hard times. That's hard times. And Ric Flair, you put hard times on this country by taking (laughs) Dusty Rhodes out. That's hard times. And when we all had hard times together, and I admit... I don't look like the athlete of the day is supposed to look. My belly is just a little big. My hind is a little big. But brother, I am bad, and they know I am bad. That was originally cut from the Bar Association episode where Clay really sort of (laughs) ranted about unionization. We're also joined uh, in a sort of roundabout way. We're joined by patron Matt, because I say roundabout way, because although we no longer do the uh, the patron guested episode, some people had booked episodes, so I'm still uh, going through those. And you had booked Hard Time a very long time ago. Uh, So how are you, Matt? I'm doing fine. By the way, Clay, we're management here. So that union stuff was several episodes ago. (laughs) We're going to be talking about Hard Time, which is uh, a sort of horror show, dark companion piece to the inner light from TNG. Uh, We're going to be talking about O'Brien living a lifetime that he never actually lived. We're going to take a break. We're going to play an audio clip. Me, Matt, and Clay are going to come back and break down Hard Time. What the hell did you say to him? I take it you talked to Captain Sisko. I talked to him all right. He relieved me of duty. It's for the best, Miles. How do you know what's best for me? You have no idea what I've been going through. You're right. You were alone in that cell. I wasn't there with you. I didn't see what they did to you. But I do know you suffered and that you're still suffering now, and I'm trying to help. I never asked for your help. You didn't need to ask. I'm your doctor and your friend. You should listen to him, Miles. He cares about you just like I did. Don't make the same mistake with him you did with me. All right, guys. So this is um, another O'Brien Must Suffer episode. It's kind of a famous one. It's well... Well-regarded, I guess, would be the way. It's one that's always sort of brought up as a key moment in the O'Brien Must Suffer lineage of episodes. Um, Clay, Mm. how do we want to sort of go into this one? You had mentioned before that O'Brien hadn't had a lot of episodes under his belt. He gets one here. Uh, And I think that the the natural place to go from it, if you just want to start with your sort of general thoughts, is also how it is a... um, a fulfilling and a sort of like exploration of the side of inner light that we never saw. Inner light is the TNG episode where Picard lives another life and then comes back after having lived with a life with a family on an alien planet. 
Um, this is all the aftermath of that. And TNG did away with the aftermath by brushing it under the under the rug. Uh, DS9 is more interested in the aftermath, I think, which is kind of fitting for the series. But what do you think about it in general? And then we'll go to Matt for your thoughts. Well, this seems like the worst uh, possible package you could choose if you go to uh, <laughs> Recall from Total Recall. Yeah. Uh, you have the <clears throat> the trip to Mars, the, uh, uh, the secret agent, the adventurer, and then the uh, <laughs> 20 years in prison package. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I really liked the idea, but I was kind of bored by this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the concept. I, I don't know. I just, I just didn't really find much of what they did with it really that interesting and i don't know if that's a fault of uh the concept or just i I don't i don't know what it is i i I mean maybe maybe i'm an outlier here i don't know if this is a is a like a a fan favorite or anything but i just i i like the concept um yeah i don't know i don't know what else to say at the moment uh how do you how do you feel about it matt how do you feel well I, I mean, it's two years before the feel-good prison film Shawshank Redemption. Um, it's very dark and depressing, honestly. And having had to watch it several times for this, I was like, oh, my God, just kill me at the end of it. It's just a very draining episode. And if I recall when I saw it originally, although it was very powerful, I just didn't think it was uh, that w- wonderful of an episode as in, as in fun as some of the other episodes are. I, I think they were just concentrating on characters since they had just done Cisco or, quote, the Cisco, and now they're just picking on O'Brien next. And what the part is that makes it weird is, as I remember seeing it uh, and then seeing the next week's episode, which I know you're co- we're going to be covering eventually, Shattered Mirror, and I got, actually got confused because here is O'Brien as a wreck, and then we see him sort of not as a wreck, and I thought maybe his PTSD reactivated until I realized that's a different type of episode, and actually never comes back again. But so I'm I'm kind of with Clay, although it's a, a good episode uh, per se. It just is not as I guess a fun as an exciting episode, or it's just very depressing in a sense. Yeah, I think I think I I like the beginning and I like the end. But I think the middle just kind of was really dragging for me. Um, I don't really know if they explored. Why is why <sighs> is this not as good as the inner light? I agree with you both that it's not a great episode. I think it's. I think I think it has one fatal flaw, which I'll get into. But I'm interested, Clay. Why do you think that inner light inner light is always seen as like a top five TNG uh, episode? It's a very mm-hmm. very strong episode, which has a very similar concept. Uh, why is Inner Light much better than this? Um, well, I think partly because with Inner Light, you're spending your entire time in that world, and you're and you are getting to see Picard live this alternate life, and uh, you get to see all the ups and downs of that, and um, it's it's the kind of thing where it's uh, it's a net positive of a life. And so when it's torn away from him, it's a, uh, you know, you feel it a lot more. You feel you, you were there experiencing that stuff with Picard. So to tear that away, you can, it, it, it feels that much more personal. Uh, this one is, I think it's, too, well, first of all, I think it's tougher to um, 
connect with um, because not many people spend 20 years in prison <laughs> and end up killing their cellmates. So that might be one Isn't of them. Isn't that marriage? Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's all, it's some of it might be cause it's all in the same location and you're not really seeing, I mean, like you're getting, O'Brien's definitely getting awful stuff is happening, but it's just, I don't know. It, it's just, a, it's tougher to relate to, I think, than, than air light. Well, I, I think inner light has a easier time of showing that time is passing as well because yeah. they can age Picard and they can give him a family and stuff can change between the jumps that you see. O'Brien just looks like he basically gets a beard and then it's over at the end of it. Like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's a tough time to sell, but Matt, I don't know if you had any thoughts about the inner light versus this. Well, yeah, I'm, I, I don't see it as inner light. Inner light is a positive, actually. It actually has hope in it, even though we all know they are dead at the end and it's sad, but there's this message of hope of possibility of going into the future, or at least that's saying that, Hey, we were here, here we're watching O'Brien being punished again. I think maybe the show hates, hates the Irish, but I, I don't know why, but that's what it is. This is to me closer, a kind of a combination of frame of mind where Rikers in that insane asylum and, uh, and inner light combined. When you take the worst parts of, uh, frame of mind or rather what the all the parts of frame of mind and you kind of extend it towards the length of inner light and you've get this film of hard time or film episode of uh hard time so i think it is difficult to relate to um because uh well i haven't been in jail um although as i was just joking while clay was saying like isn't that what marriage is but uh the <laughs> Well, there's the. It, it's did, you, did your bow tie spin after you said that? <laughs> no, no, but I'm sure I'll be hit with something later. <laughs> well, here's the but, here's the thing. Here's the thing about hard time. I, I think it is inner light because it it it's showing you a both characters are walking away with the experience of a lifetime that they had not lived, but they feel that they've actually lived. And so when they come away with it, Picard's is a net po- Picard is a positive, but it's still you tore away everything from Picard that he wanted by the end of that, and he realizes that none of it is real. O'Brien is sort of difficult. He wants to get rid of the memories, but he knows that he can't get rid of the memories. And to me, the main problem with this one is the fact that Inner Light never felt like it fell into so much melodrama as this one does. And I, I think a lot of the really bad scenes in this episode are really, really heavy melodrama. And it doesn't... It's tough because I don't know how else you do the material that they're asking them to do, except have these sort of very emotional conversations where people are talking, chief, I know you've gone through terrible, terrible things. Like it doesn't feel like it's out of place, but it comes across as sort of juvenile on some level. And it's funny because the series has managed to avoid all of this melodrama for so long that it's weird that it comes out in in this one. And I don't know if it's just because of the – the material that they're doing. And I'm going to read that melodrama's definition is a sensational dramatic piece with exaggerated characters and exciting events intended to appeal to the emotions. And that's, it's kind of what it is. I feel like it's really just playing on these emotions that I don't feel the episode is earning because I'm having a hard time relating to O'Brien's struggle. Yeah. Well, I agree with that. since you yeah. totally broke up there, I'm assuming, yes, it is difficult to relate to emotion on here with O'Brien. Um, my main thing is is that uh, i've just every time i looked at it i first saw the start of a cliche where they're saying it was real to me major times two because you have to say it twice on tv um i just it was difficult to relate inside 
every last level of this um, down. And with this short time period of uh, television, I think the issue also comes down to um, how they have to show the strain in relationship. There is none of that time passage with uh, like Picard. It's years. Cycles. Here it's minutes. It made it difficult to actually How's, um, Clay, deal with it. The uh, mm. <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned oh, you were sort of or maybe you weren't missing O'Brien. You were saying that he's kind of a minor character, all things considered, in DS Nine to this point. Um, does he work here? Is 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 it a good place that they keep putting O'Brien through these sort of uh, times of, of terrible troubles that he goes through? He had whispers, he had things like that, where his his world is always being upended. I don't know if you had any thoughts about him and Colmini as an actor in this one. Um, yeah, well, you know, I think probably yes. Um, he's more of a. Uh, He's more of a side character, so he, uh, I guess he's a little bit more expendable, but people still like him, so you can't do awful, awful things to him. Uh, you know, he's not even really a part of Starfleet, you know? So, who cares? <laughs> well, he is part of Starfleet. Um, <laughs> well, he's not an officer. He's, well, that's he's the true. unimportant. He's or, the unimportant. Yeah, whatever he is. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think Cole Meany plays this stuff pretty well because he's good at being kind of gruff and and you know dour <laughs> um you, but yeah just to circle grumpy. back he's a very he's a very grumpy yeah, character yeah. so it, it does suit that aspect i think they've, they've played up the grumpiness because he wasn't this one at tng obviously where he wasn't really a character at all but he's 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 comes across as more of a grumpy personality so does that mean that yeah, Kato, yeah. keiko beats him at during the commercials because we've raised that before you guys have raised it before maybe that's why he's grumpy well i thought <laughs> This is this is actually an effective <laughs> well, this one, Keiko, uh, an effective O'Brien yeah. family episode. I thought she was actually good in this. Yeah, yeah. but uh, you know, it kind of it kind of makes you go. Uh, uh, how how hard do you think he was? Be, I guess it's a be careful what you wish for episode, right? Because he got taken away from he he was sick of Keiko <laughs> after not seeing her for a year in the last episode, and now he's he's been gone for twenty years in his mind, and all of a sudden he's like, oh boy. Even even there, he's like not super psyched to see he's her. When he gets I know back. he does. They barely hug. They barely like, do anything. He gets back and he's like, oh, you're still pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a regular work week. But it's also, I mean, uh, he's also not super psyched to see his uh, boyfriend, uh, uh, you know, Bashir. So there, there's that. He's really taking it badly. That well, they have a. Well, you know, I think I was just going to say, I think, I think part of the what, what's tough about this episode is that the. Um, it's a lot of telling, I think, uh, about how awful his time was and the things that he's dealing with. Whereas in inner light, you're getting, you're getting shown everything. Yeah. You know? It's more, there's cinematic. not a lot of exposition. Yeah. Yeah. There's no exposition. You're just getting the, the actual, uh, ins and outs of, of what actually is going on with Picard. And this one, like you were saying, it's a lot of, you know, melodramatic sitting together, having a discussion. And then O'Brien kind of being like, I don't want to talk about it. You wouldn't understand. And I feel like that's kind of why they had to manufacture this ghost that kept popping up. And I understand that the, the point of the ghost, but you know, I, I think, I think they could have, well, I don't know. I guess, I guess you need something like that. I was going to say, I, I think I, I I wonder if that ghost is, is is actually even manufactured by the aliens. I mean, they, they did say is that you'd have a prison experience of something along the lines in your mm-hmm. mind. But 
I'm wondering if that's not someone or it's an amalgam of several characters that uh, Miles had seen in other things. Maybe it's someone he couldn't save on that Setlick 3 incident well, or it goes something into, else. Well, do, because do you think that the aliens, if they do insert it or they don't, the the point of the alien is actually the most interesting part of the episode to me, Because and they don't really touch on it. But O'Brien has this thing at the end where it's a very meta line of dialogue where he's talking about like when I was growing up and that when I went through the academy they told us that humanity had evolved and we no longer had like rage and sort of anger and murderous impulses and what the aliens have done through this punishment system is they kind of break you as a person like I don't know if this mm-hmm. is what the aliens plan to do is that like we will make you suffer to the point where you will give up on everything that you believe in and if they do it's a very dark and twisted punishment system that this alien society has. And if they don't, I think it's nicely symbolic of a DS9 take on what kind of, how the inner light system would work on somebody. Like in TNG, Picard can walk away from it, but the DS9 version is more interested in showing you what O'Brien has come out of it and how it has actually, what it's shown about O'Brien. And it's not always a good thing. All right. Well, I mean, I, I still don't. I, I I know what everyone says. It's all inner light, and I I understand that. But I I had a, several problems with the even with this punishment system. How is this going to actually prevent future crime? If even in part of you knows that it's fake, um, and even that the cure of just time also bothered me in in relation to this. What did Bashir not hear about Pulaski's selective memory erasure? I know they mentioned it because oh, I have to erase his entire mind, but I, I don't. It just seemed like a convenient for that. And th- this idea—that was an experimental treatment. Mm-hmm. That, you know, uh, something something. Exper- that's an experimental experiment. treatment. <laughs> something something. Uh, well, you know, it's not in the show. That's true. Someone else wrote this. I didn't write this. Well, here's the thing about about the punishment of the system. What? Wouldn't you say that modern prison systems are more about punishment than rehabilitation? Well, I would say they are about punishment because yeah. rehabilitation or correction, as they called in New York, the departments of correction, that's a, a jokey misnomer. I don't see them correcting anything. I mean, I guess you could say that this is the same for here, that they're correcting bad behavior for things that they've done, but doesn't actually is not effective. I mean, it is possible. I'd, I'd argue they're not. I'd argue they're not correcting the, the alien system is a sort of exaggeration of what I think the current prison system is, which is a you are going to be punished instead of rehabilitated, and they do that in a very effective way, where they say we cut down on costs by not having to have to hold people for twenty years. We just want to do it in a in a matter of hours, and I, I think that's a that's really interesting. But O'Brien's takeaway from it is the sort of. O'Brien's what happens to O'Brien is sort of a criticism of the prison system in itself. He's not really rehabilitated. He's just been sort of uh, hammered down by more problems than fixing anything. It it, it shows how broken that corrections facilities process is, and which is kind of a you know the modern day Trek social commentary. Um, But Clay, you haven't said anything in a while. Do you have anything to say on that? Well, I think. The interesting thing about the uh, the approach there is that you know, uh, well, and and the way they handled the episode is that I think it's it's good that they mentioned the not being able to erase the memories thing because if they could, then you know you 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 have the problem that you said, Matt, which was uh, you know if it's if they if they know it's not real, then why is it going to stop them from doing anything? But I think th- 
the part of the point of the episode is that it, or at least what they're driving to, um, is that it is so real. Like it, it, it is, even though he knows it's fake, he still can't get over how real it feels. And that's going to be torture for anybody. And I think if they, uh, uh, after they kind of take memory wiping off the board, they, um, they, they basically just treat it as though like, yeah, this actually happened to you and you're going to have to try and work through yeah. it. Everyone has to treat and, him like uh, he, he just has to deal with it. Yeah, no, I, right. I, I totally understand it. But I, that's also, again, what makes it difficult to uh, get into, I think. It's torture not only for O'Brien, but in a sense we're experiencing with him, which does make it a good episode that you can emote with the cl- characters. But it also just makes it difficult to watch. And it's not one of those like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go watch hard time versus like, do you want to see inner light or hard time? If you're just watching it as an episode, I think that's also an issue. See, it's, it's funny. I, I find it, I find uh, melodrama to me is kind of like por- the definition of pornography where it's like, I don't, I can't really describe it, but I know it when I see it, I kind of feel it when I see yeah. it. And this episode makes me cringe a little bit. Like there's a little bit of cringiness to it that, uh, something like the inner light doesn't have the inner light actually makes me feel sort of a genuine emotional reaction. And the, the just the scenes where O'Brien is like, you don't know what I've gone through. And I, not to make light of like post-traumatic stress, but it's a, because you don't see the experience for him well enough, it never comes across as though it's like a really layered thing. And the, the 20 years don't, the 20 years are too much of an intellectual issue of the episode. You don't, you don't feel it. You just have to intellectualize that he's been gone for 20 years and that this is the memory. And he actually, for for what his punishment was, he came out pretty well of it. Like for basically being in solid, not solitary, but he's in like a one cell room that he's never let out of for twenty years. Uh, he comes out fairly healthy in the end of it. Like it's not the the broken man that I would have expected to come out of it. I know you can't do that in a TV episode, but it 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 lends to the thing of I don't really believe that O'Brien went through this on some level. Yeah, and it's it's weird that seeing the aftermath is somehow less uh, effective than seeing the stuff that happened. Like I, again, I don't know if that's maybe just the the way that they chose to deal with it, but I, I, I think seeing the aftermath of this is more interesting than seeing the aftermath of inner light. Cause with inner light, like the, the, the dramatic, the dramatic crescendo comes when they, when you, when they pull everything away. And like, I don't think there's a lot of really interesting, dramatic aspects of like just cutting to Picard, just crying someday yeah. because he because he just remembered his family that was not. Well, they real. kind of do that at the end. Uh, it's the, the ending scene uh, is him hugging the flute. So, but it's like it, it again. It doesn't stretch it true. out. True. Yeah. Yeah, but they, it's not. It's not something that they really deep dive into. You know, whereas this one, they try to do it, and for some reason. I I don't know if you need to have both. I mean, like the it's this one is inherently more interesting because there is a uh, a comment to be made as you're saying about the prison system and and how uh, and um, rehabilitation versus punishment and all that kind of stuff. But I never really feel like they get into any of that, and they also don't really get into any of the sci-fi aspect of the fact that these are fake memories that appear real. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just sort of him moping around and 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 not really learning how to it, trying to learn how to do his job again. And it, I don't I don't know. I, I'm not sure what the answer is in terms of 
what what I would rather see from this. Well, here's here's, here's um, a question for Matt that maybe will flesh that out. It, I feel, and I think I, there's an argument. I was just going to say is, is though I, I think actually uh, Picard has a better relationship with his flute than his wife, than Miles with his uh, wife. But it, it it's, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in a way, uh, you could almost argue this is the, what the mental attack of the redone prisoner show was supposed to be, where it's all in your head. By the way, it was absolutely terrible. Um, but, uh, uh, I don't even remember that aspect of it. <laughs> that goes to show. I do now that I'm rewatching it and listening episode. to you, your, the podcast. But, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, the sci fi aspect is, is kind of lost here and it's more of a, that emotional drama. I wish I was more to it to, than I could say, except some nitpickery, but, it was it was just I don't know it was something hard to to see that the the punish a lot of people that I've read online because I was looking into it they said like they liked the fact that you don't know what the punishment was for except I don't know maybe he saw their new iPad designs or something but it's 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 just so heavy and you just see him as Clay just said moping around going like oh man now I gotta go do this and I just want some quiet I don't want to color with my daughter or something like that it just I don't know. It's just, it just, well, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting you bring up the prisoner. Cause it's like, it's kind of like if there was an episode of the prisoner where he got out for real and then went back to MI5 or, you know, whatever, wherever he was working. And they were like, so tell us what happened. And he's like, I don't want to talk about it. Right. And then it's the rest of the <laughs> episode is just Patrick Mc. <laughs> Patrick McGowan being an asshole to everybody, <laughs> but not really getting into why he's being an asshole. Yeah. Uh, it, like, I, I feel like it's kind of that where it's like, there's not, there's not enough there for you to really sink your teeth into why he's so PTSD. Mm-hmm. He has so much PTSD. Cause, Maybe there are checks there. Well, yeah. Cause the stuff. Maybe there are checks and poles in the, uh, in the station. Yeah. The, the stuff that you're seeing when he's in prison is just, kind of hanging around but you know? i mean I'm, it like is they, it, it's what i was saying though it is horrible like you would want no one to go through what he went through oh but yeah you, but it's it's hard to viscerally feel what he's going through it, it's a very hard right, sell right. to get that across yeah like yeah I, I i agree and the thing i i don't know if if the cellmate is a is a is a good addition or a bad addition because the cellmate's too happy through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like, I mean, is the, is the driving point is all of his uh, PTSD built, like hanging on the fact that he murdered this guy or is it accumulation of everything? It's going to be an accumulation of everything. Right. But they're, they're using the death of that guy as the sort of straw that broke the camel's back. For him, right. So, th- so and then you, so then you agree that each art is an amalgam of several different experiences. No, well, I mean, so what's the answer for both of you? Is is each art a part of the alien prison construct program? Is he designed by the aliens, or is he O'Brien uh, O'Brien's psyche trying to keep himself sane through this whole process? Are you talking about after he gets out? Uh, no, I'm talking about or during the prison the, the program. Whole thing. Uh, yeah, I think he's a uh, uh, 
a construct of the the program. So yeah, the I programmers mean, made him to. Why did the aliens insert him as part of the program? Well, I mean, because what he ends up doing to him is the thing that breaks him. You know, they yeah. they stop feeding him to the point where he flips out and kills him, and then they immediately start feeding him again. It's it's very much a a. Uh, uh, it seems like a controlled method of torture. Okay, so my my the the counterpoint that I'm saying, just so everyone's aware, is that O'Brien's mind, as he's dealing with this imprisonment thing, creates this character to sort of keep himself company and keep himself sane. And it's oh, his see. mental break comes when he he is completely broken. And as he said, the O'Brien that you knew back then died in that prison when he kills him. It's like his own sort of mind breaking is the way that you could see it. I think those are the two options and I don't know which one is really the better explanation. I could go with either one. So so do you do you think when well, he, at least his prisoner his cellmate wasn't his wife. Yeah, well they want to talk about <laughs> So do you think uh, <laughs> so do you think that when he says initially that he was just by himself that he's actually telling the truth? I think that would be that you could interpret that as that way. Yeah, you could interpret by yeah. him saying does he show up at the beginning? I don't remember when they introduced that alien. Is he there at the start when they throw him in? He is, right? Yes. Okay. He is. So maybe that yeah. that goes against that case, I guess. If he's if he's yeah, there I, and he I never creates him, I don't know if there's enough meat there to back that up, or I should say, not enough uh, references there to that possibly being the case. Okay. Um, and if it is, it's if it is, it's 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 very subtle. Okay. So I guess that you've convinced me that he's part of the alien programming there. So it's. The aliens insert him to cause O'Brien to sort of break down as a human, and that's the whole thing. And at that point, the reality of the programming, you know, as opposed to it just being memories, is that O'Brien lives with this guy for the rest of his, you know, he lives with him until he can sort of fix his stress problem, and then he goes away once he's cured himself of the guilt and everything. But I I like the – I feel the episode would be – supremely lacking if that character didn't exist. But what, what, Matt, what did you think? Would you rather have that character or not have him in here? I still don't think it exists, and I only think it's a portion of the alien program. I, I, I honestly think it's just a— Well, I just mean in terms of existing in the episode. Like, whether if you oh, wrote this well, character no, into the episode or took him out. I, I, I think it's necessary to have something in there to build up that guilt that he's feeling over something, because just him sitting in a room not using a toilet and sitting on dirt is, I don't think, would be as as punishment-inducing. Um, so I, I think we're—, we're it, where you, I agree in the sense that that's part of this program in there. Most of it's made by him, but I think you need to have that in there. So you're not just having like that cartoon of O'Brien standing at the transporter controls all by himself all the time. That you, otherwise, you have no interaction and he's just going around going, yeah, man, I've seen some things and it's bad. It, you need to have something there. You know, honestly, as I'm thinking about it now, I wonder if it wouldn't be more effective if you didn't see any of the prison stuff at all. Interesting. If if you just see him getting back and you're given the setup that, you know, he's been under this thing that makes him feel like he's been in prison in this awful prison for 20 years. And then you see his PTSD and you see how that manifests and you see him lashing out at people and you see this struggle with what is a isn't which is not a real memory which is a real memory but not mm. a real event not a real place has. yeah yeah i wonder if that wouldn't be more effective because that way you are completely imprinting on him what you think happened you know you know what i'm thinking i i might not go that i like what you're saying i might not go whole hog on there i could see something like you know the movie fire in the sky yeah 
you know when he gets abducted by the aliens and it's sort of this smash cutting quick cut stuff of things that he's seeing there's like no oh, yeah. building on the scenes like if you <laughs> inserted terrifying. yeah if you inserted very short uh sort of smash cutty quickly edited stuff like that into just moments of o'brien existing on ds9 i think that would be really effective you mean just like- to see the cell you mean like uh, every now and then he has this weird flash of him having sex with a Klingon and then like <laughs> bones being cut and stuff? Please, that's torture for us. <laughs> yeah, maybe getting, maybe I just disproved my argument by bringing that up. but Getting a wet sheet placed yeah. over him and everything. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, though. I think that that's a... That's probably a more thematic way to deal with it if you don't actually show it because it isn't a place that really exists and it's only yeah, in and, O'Brien's mind. And also, I think that also works with the other characters too because the part of what happens between these characters is that they he's dealing with a real memory, but they're trying to deal with the, the like it's 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 like dealing with anybody that says something happened and you know that it didn't happen. So you're telling them, well, that didn't happen, but they believe that it happened. So they're they're trying to deal with him knowing that what he's saying is, quote unquote, unreal, but which which makes them have absolutely no context or no understanding of what he's going through. And you're talking about like Cisco and uh, Bashir and Bashir and Keiko and everybody else. So I I think putting the audience where in inner light, you're putting the audience in there with Picard so you can feel his uh the his world shattering at the end at a maximum dramatic level i think not putting the audience in with o'brien and putting the audience in with everybody who's interacting with him when he comes back might do might have done the opposite might have done it equally in the opposite direction you know what i mean so That's- you are now Empathi- you're now empath- empath- emphasizing <laughs> empathizing don't go for that, go for that word it's a tough one anonymous <laughs> You are now uh, feeling feeling like you are part of the uh, understanding of the characters who are who do not understand what's going on and are just seeing O'Brien freaking out, you know, and yeah. trying to help him, but not completely knowing what's what the well, problem. Well, here's just a you know a, a, a ahead, question: man. Is it is does he snap at Dax because you know she's just useless, or is that part of his PTSD? <laughs> I well, think the bigger question is, uh, since when do you put plates into the replicator and it just does the dishes for you? <laughs> I'd like that at home. <laughs> so does, it, does that mean, is it like the replicator, is it like breaking everything down and re-using yeah, it turns the material? It into energy. Yeah. 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 They recycle it, yeah. They also just, when O'Brien is drunk, he just urinates into it and it causes the uh, <laughs> causes that matter. Mm, so, um, nice chicken soup do, there. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make a, a. One of the patients made a good comment about it, but the, the thing I will say is that uh, it ties into seeing everything from the perspective of the other people. I think the episode is actually more illuminating of the other characters than it is of O'Brien in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Like how they deal with O'Brien is very interesting. I love the Cisco O'Brien scene in the yeah, uh, the ready room. Um, Cisco has a very unique fatherly role in a way that the other captains to this point don't. And it's another, it's sort of branching off of that and building off of that. It's a really good scene between them. I think the O'Briens are actually seem like a family in this episode. Mm-hmm. The most effective O'Brien breaking down is when he yells at Molly, in my opinion, which actually yeah. works. That's a very, very good scene. Um, and outside of that, 
the Bashir interaction with him is all very fleshed out. I just feel that the character interactions outside of O'Brien, O'Brien interacting with these other characters, I feel like I learn a lot about how the other characters operate in regards to O'Brien more than O'Brien himself. I really like the scene where he was trying to, pl- trying to play darts with Worf. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, Worf's trying to be a good buddy. Yeah, and he's like, do I need 117 or, or 200? And Worf's just like, I have no idea. <laughs> It's a good it's a good character beat for Worf. Worf is there to be a good friend if you need a good friend. Worf yeah, is willing to hang out. I think a couple things they've been doing the last few episodes pretty well is they've been using Worf in like these little accent points very well. And uh also I feel like every scene that that we've had with Cisco for the past like 3 or 4 episodes has been like one of those ready room scenes where he's like just having a conversation that is either like this where he's telling someone they they got to, you know, suck it up and get back to work. Or like some variation of this ready room scene. It feels like that's all he's been doing for the past few episodes. Well, yeah, because he's a hard ass. That's that's the thing that makes Cisco more popular than the other captains. I think he goes, I care about you. Now cut your crap and get back to the therapy or I'll beat the crap out of you. So I, I think that it needed to be yeah. said and it kind of fits to a more, I would I would presume a more military-ish type of attitude, which Starfleet actually is, or... You know, even in a workplace environment, it's the tough love I would I would assert might have to be given if someone is, let's say, dealing with these issues like you need to go to therapy of some sort of whatever issue you're dealing with or face the consequences. It could be termination or something like that. So I think Cisco, the characterization, although it's only for two minutes or char- acting for two minutes, I would say it's, it's actually well shown here. And, and I just wanted to add that. I, I agree with you that the the other characters don't know how to deal with him, but I, I actually kind of like the fact that Bashir was sort of trying to give him space because that's his be- his best buddy, or at least it looked like it to me um, because of their odd relationship, I guess, you know, but but he also he also screwed over O'Brien more than anybody else by saying that he was unfit, which is the only the strongest action that any character takes against him. Well, that's his job is to do that. I mean, he, yeah, you know, it's sometimes. It's unfortunately, it's I've even said it, and it's, it's my job. I have to do this. It's just what you got to do sometimes. And it doesn't make, mean anything about friendship or anything else when it comes to the safety of or of people in the in the crew or on the ship or even in your office. You need to make sure that everything is running kind of well. Yeah. Do we have uh, anything else that we want to say about this one? Uh, or are we pretty much, I mean, I do like the, I mentioned earlier, I like the ending thing about O'Brien realizing that he's been uh, broken and sort of like how far he's fallen through this whole mm-hmm. uh, thing. But uh, I don't like the suicide by phaser. I don't like any aspect of that. Um, <laughs> Is there a darker scene in any Star Trek show up to this point than O'Brien putting a phaser under his chin? And Also, I kind of wish that like Riker would pop his head in and be like, start on level one and just work your way up. <laughs> well, here's, here's my problem with the phaser scene. So many of the little bits around it are terrible. Like, are you telling me that their phasers, to get it from one to 16, they have to hit it 16 times up? You know, like that seems very inefficient. <laughs> There should and be also, some sort of like wheel or something or dial right. that you could just <laughs> like an, quickly. an iPod yeah. wheel. They should just like turn the thing around with that little noise. But the the other thing is that these military grade weapons are housed in foam on the wall. Like they, they sit in a foam little holder yes, but on the, in the it, case. And it just strikes foam. me as very funny. It's space foam. <laughs> yes. It's yeah, man. Very, it's very hyper, sad. hyper dense, extra protective, uh, and it's actually 
uh, explosion resistant. So mm-hmm. if the phaser blows up on the inside, it doesn't hurt anybody, but you also can't shoot through it to get <laughs> well, to it. So uh, now who's the idiot, Wes? <laughs> well, that's very thematic for O'Brien's soul that, blowing up on I, the inside in this episode. I guess we're done, mm-hmm. though. We're going to take a break. We're going to play an audio clip. Me, Clay, and Matt are going to come back. I just wanted re- to say I, I appreciate... How dare you interrupt me? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> go, go <ahead>. <laughs> <laughs> Wes, I just, uh, well, sorry, Wes, don't shoot me. This is the last time you will be on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. I just want to say, Clay, I'm glad you mentioned that thing with Riker, because that was the first thing that got me into the Penske file, first of all. So I feel full circle now. <laughs> and the other thing I just wanted to mention, because my computer cycle is making me cut out, is that uh, that uh, it, the only thing that really just drags me down on this is that this is one of those episodes and we'll never hear of it again. That's what I was saying in the beginning. But sorry to interrupt, Wes. Go ahead. No, no problem. You could have saved that for the final thoughts, Matt, but we'll go <laughs> okay, ahead. I'm just okay. kidding. Uh, we're going to take a break. Don't you listen to the show? Don't you, don't you know the format? We're going to take a break. I'm going to play an audio clip. Me, Clay, and Matt are going to read some patron thoughts, and then we're going to have our final thoughts, and then we're going to call it a day. The worst part of it was... The next day, the guards began feeding me again. I killed him for nothing. For a scrap of bread he was going to share with me. But it was a mistake. You didn't mean it. I meant it. I wanted him to die. I keep telling myself, it doesn't matter. It wasn't real. But that's a lie. If it had been real, if it had been you instead of him, it wouldn't have made any difference. He was my best friend, and I murdered him. When we were growing up, they used to tell us humanity had evolved, that mankind had outgrown hate and rage. when it came down to it. When I had the chance to show that no matter what anyone did to me, I was still an evolved human being. I failed. I repaid kindness with blood. I was no better than an animal. All right, everybody. Welcome back. We're going to read some patron thoughts. There's only a couple for this one, which is surprising. The episodes that people comment on are always surprising to me. Hard Time by Holly McLaughlin says, The writing staff is to be commended. They did a very good job with their portrayals of both PTSD and suicidal ideation in this one. Suicide is the biggest danger when the person starts convincing themselves that everyone they love would be better off without them. The acting job from Cole Meany makes me cry. This is one of the better O'Brien Must Suffer episodes. Stephen Cobb says, Hard Time. Love the concept of... Appreciated the portrayal of PTSD in a very visceral and graphic way. Next comments is further down here. Kyle Barrett says, hard time. The episode is like a depressing companion piece to the inner light. The TNG episode focused on the actual sci-fi idea while DS9 deals with the aftermath and the personal toll such an event would have on someone. And it works completely. Cole Meany is fantastic and was clearly educated at the Harrison Ford school of shouting while pointing. His breakdown and suicidal scene was tough to watch because it felt earned and Meany was better than he's ever been before. It was really emotionally effective and cements that O'Brien and Bashir's relationship is the best in Star Trek. Also, after having a fairly useless therapist on the Enterprise in TNG, it's in- interesting that they bring up the role on DS9. With the more defined character arcs and darker subject matter of DS9, do you think a therapist, either as a recurring character or as a main character, would have been an asset to the show? 
can take a quick break because I thought that was interesting. But what do you think, Clay? Would you have wanted a therapist on DS9? Um, eh, I don't know. Or is Quark <laughs> just the worst therapist? Is Quark the worst uh, case guy in situation yeah, that you can have? Yeah, I mean, uh, they the, the, the therapist character on TNG was so so much wet cardboard that they had to create Guinan <laughs> to actually have somebody to talk to. Yeah. So I I don't know. I think a, a a character whose only role is that is would be superfluous in this, I, in this series. I I agree. Considering that I called Troy useless through most of the episodes. Actually, it's my wife's name for her. I I don't think a what we're gonna call DS Nine therapy channel. It just I don't know. I I agree. It should we don't need an extra character like that. And uh, where's Guinan where you need her? She'd be a good bartender here. <laughs> I'd probably say the same. I think that the, I think the reason Guinan works is just because she's a better written character than Troy. Yeah. It's not that you need a therapist as a role, but you just need characters who interact with each other in a believable way. And I think that Bashir and O'Brien, you know, they're not therapists, but they interact with each other in a way that highlights the problem in a way that Troy, uh, the writing for Troy really failed, where it was very not understanding of what the emotion of the scene was supposed to be. That being uh, said, though, Go ahead. It would be kind of interesting to do a Star Trek show where. I, so I, I could I could I believe that there is probably a therapist or some sort of mental health, you know, professional on board, um, DS Nine, and so I and probably in most ships or you know whatever. Uh, so it might be kind of interesting to do an inversion in some other series where the Doctor character actually is a mental health doctor. Yeah. A, so like it also is also in sick bay, just like the office off the main office of sick bay or something like that. Um, in the sick bay HMO or whatever. <laughs> the, uh, that might be kind of interesting. Cause then, I mean, if, if you're, if you're going to do it and you're going to commit to it and, and you have the character who is the doctor, but not a physical doctor, but a mental doctor, that could be kind of cool. Yeah, it's you, like in treatment kind of Star like, Trek version. I would actually, yeah, I would actually kind of enjoy sorry. that. You, you, you mean kind of like having like a Fraser there, like off the Bretagne, he's there and he goes, "Good evening, DS Nine. I'm listening." That type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Like, like Michael, like Michael Batsmith or whatever that. Guy's <laughs> not, that one's Kyle's going to correct me, but whatever that captain of that uh, ship was in cause and effect. Last and you, uh, you know, you keep and they keep shifting around who the Vulcan-like character is. You know, you've got Spock, and then you've got Data, and then uh, I don't really know who it would be. Who's the Vulcan? Who's the Vulcan-like Spock-like character in DS Nine? Would it be Odo? <laughs> it's probably it's Odo. Yeah, well, yeah. We have to get a new yeah. one. Uh, and then in Voyager, Voyager, it's kind of the Doctor because he's like the he's kind of he's the fake. Doctor is yeah. kind of half Data, half Spock. Yeah. So might be interesting. Yeah, you have like a, a Vulcan therapist or something like that. It might be kind of kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> a Vulcan therapist might actually work on the animated comedy series. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of comedy. I think you could pull out of a uh, an unemotional Vulcan doing some therapy. Yeah. Uh, Neil Neil Brennan. <laughs> Your says, fears are illogical. <laughs> Neil Brennan says uh, this is the last comment. If this episode is just a strong three, and it is for me, why am I getting emotional at the end? Is it because bearded O'Brien looks like Mick Foley? Or because, like any good Irishman, what pushes him over the edge is poor bar service? Or just, I, I thought that was a very good joke. Or just because somehow Meany and Siddig have made the O'Brien-Bashir friendship really work? It's a good question. Why? What's the most emotional aspect of this uh, episode for you guys? 
if anything works. For me, it's the O'Brien family. They actually, when yeah. O'Brien yells at Molly and then the sort of reconciliation they have at the end is uh, a redemption of a poorly written relationship that the show has. And I think that the episode makes that work. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, You I, know, I, I was actually thinking as you were talking about it or someone, one of those comments was talking about the uh, relationship between Bashir and O'Brien and all that kind of stuff. Do you feel like that scene at the end maybe should have been Keiko instead of Bashir? Or do you think it doesn't really matter? I always think it should be. I, I don't know if that's if she's the right actress to write those scenes yeah, for them. And that's they really the push it. Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, thematically I, f- I it feels like maybe Keiko should be the the catalyst in that scene or or something. Something like that. Because yeah, it, it, you would think that they have the most personal relationship on the sh- on the station, and given the sit- the situation that, you know, she would be the one to kind of pull him back. But you know, I guess not. No, not not on <laughs> not on this show. But I hundred percent agree with you, Matt. Did you have any thoughts about that? No, I think the best scenes also are with Keiko and O'Brien. But I I like having both of them there. I guess you would say it's both of Miles' wives walking down the hallway in a sense. I thought that was the yeah. most powerful scenes was with Keiko, even though, as we've often said before, that their relationship is not written by married people. Um, it's just uh, <laughs> it just doesn't feel that way. Although this is the closest to it, because unfortunately, I'm familiar with that anger look of death uh, from someone else in my uh, household who she will remain nameless for not for long, though. But uh, yeah, I just thought at the end it was it's good. just the writing. Hmm? Well, it's just the right, like, I, the other scene that works for me is the one where uh, Keiko wakes up in the middle of the night and O'Brien is sleeping on the floor and she gives right. him a blanket. Like, there's no dialogue there, but you can sell their relationship by she gives him the blanket on the floor and you understand why he's doing it. Th- those are good scenes. And the, the scene where he yells at Molly is a good thing. It's just, it's not, you don't need to write their relationship as though you're doing some sort of, as Clay had said earlier, some sort of, like, honeymooners sketch. Like, just write them as believable people doing things like that and it works for me yeah just write the same scene you'd write with Bashir and then go back and find and replace all the Bashirs <laughs> <Yeah>. to Keiko <laughs> copy also paste. is Control there off. a more overused shorthand for just got out of prison than having than that cut to oh I'm sleeping on the floor <laughs> because my bed's too soft I feel like that's every single thing does that or, yeah. or yeah, it's um I'm trying yeah, to think no, of or you could be like, sleeping on an island, uh, you know, like Tom Hanks in uh Castaway. Same thing, sleeping on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know what the worst the the most to me what the most emotionally draining part of the whole prison experience in that prison would have been? The fact that they have a sort of like cleaning system that resets everything you've done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. which is <laughs> I imagine that I thought that was a really nice touch and that would drive me absolutely bonkers if they if I was in that situation. But um it is neither here nor there. Anyway, let's go to final thoughts. We'll start with you, Matt, as the guest of honor today. On a scale of one to five, what are you going to give hard time? I'm going to give this a, man, I'm going to say a, a strong three, four. I'm going to give it a four, just by like a week four. It's a it's a very strong character piece but uh, and training, and it does kind of give us more insight into, into – uh, uh, miles and it's PTSD, but knowing how it, where it fits in the entire story, I, I can't, uh, give it a higher number, but just for acting, it gets a four, but the story in itself is like a strong three for me. If that makes any sense, four-ish. Clay. <laughs> it does. Yeah. 
Week yeah, four I, for I would, Matt. I would I would say it's a strong three. I feel like this is in line with the other threes that have popped up recently, where it's you know it's got some really good stuff, and then it's but it doesn't totally totally hit the net um, as much as the fours and the fives have this season. Yeah, I feel it's I feel it's a three, and it's the most frustrating <laughs> of the threes so far. Uh, where the other ones, I was like, yeah, this is going to be a three going in. Like, it's a Ferengi episode. This is going to be a three. I know I'm not expecting big things. I feel that the concept is a little bit let down here. I, I like the idea more than they actually executed on it. Um, and this, that's a little too bad, but it's not. It's certainly not bad. Um, I would have toned down the melodrama. I liked Clay's idea of not showing any of the prison scenes or at least less of the prison scenes. And maybe just get rid of the horrible... Uh, suicide by phaser thing. I just don't think that worked for me. Uh, and then, you know, you, know, you might have had something at that point. Everybody knows if you're going to kill yourself on a spaceship, you do it by sucking yourself out of the airlock. <laughs> yes, it's a much better it's a much better way to do it in this uh, that sort of setting. There's something more dramatic about that than the... The, the phaser just looks cheesy if you're holding it and not a action-y it, phase. It did. I did think it looked like O'Brien... Uh, Bashir walked in on him while he was having a hard time shaving. Yeah. <laughs> It looked like it looked like an electric shaver that had like just got stuck on something on its face. <laughs> it's it's very it's very it's very dainty. It doesn't have the sort of um, it doesn't have that sort of visceral uh, thing to it that a, a real gun would actually have. And it, either that or it looks like he's eating a very dainty croissants or something so, that so got stuck saying, under him. Like would you, you have like would a, you have a preferred from his Irish heritage that just happened to come in at the same time he was out of jail, something like that. Yeah. He needs Sean Aloysius's revolver uh, while Would he was you defending the Union. Would you if he had been trying to, like, pull the trigger on a phaser rifle with, like, his toe or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> I, I, anytime that they can reference Kurt Cobain, I think, is a good thing for this series to do. And if they had said R.I.P. Kurt Cobain at the very end, I would have appreciated it, too. Um, that's about it. Uh, so and, post and your Worf conspiracy theories there, about like, Worf, uh, post your conspiracy theories about Cobain's death down below. And we're going to call this a day. What'd you say, Clay? And, and Worf is over there like, if he were a real man, he would hang himself by standing on a very slowly melting block of ice, like the guy from Joy Division. That's my favorite Mind Trap uh, question, too. Do people remember that game, Mind Trap, the sort of mysteries on cards? No. no. Anyway, we're going we're gonna to call, call it a day right there. Matt, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks. It's been a, a privilege and an honor to, to serve with you guys in prison. Yeah, thank you very much for uh, supporting the show. Thank you, everyone, for supporting the show. If you want to do all the stuff and you want to follow the show everywhere, you go to all the Facebook and Twitter and links and Discord links. They're in the video description in the podcast blurb. But if you want to support the show on a real, uh, a real, I can't think of a good word to say, a real appreciated uh, level, you go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. You give a couple dollars a month, you get extra stuff. We just did Night of the Living Dead was our last podcast that we did. Uh, but there's about 36 podcasts up there now because we've been doing it for a few years. And so if you want extra stuff, there's a whole bunch of stuff there that you can get to. And that's Even of I'm that, sick of me at this point. I know, really. It's, <laughs> if, if, what else can we say about these things? We don't I like have, this. I, we have, do like uh, that. I was talking to a mutual friend of ours the other day, and he had, he'd been listening to the, to the podcasts lately. And uh, he was like, yeah, it's getting kind of weird. Because I've started saying to my wife, you know, I was talking to Clay and he was saying the other day and she was like, honey, you haven't, you haven't seen Clay in like a week. You've just he, been listening to the podcast. He was talking was like, to Echar. Oh, the Clay and Echar makeup is just like I saw him there. I know that's the problem with it. Uh, we're, ta- we're talking. That's how I feel about some. I always, um, 
Other podcasts that I listen to quite a bit, I feel like I have a very personal relationship, even though I've never interacted with the people who run the show whatsoever. It's a very weird thing that happens to you. Yeah. It, Penske Con. <laughs> That's right. We'll get we'll get we'll get this uh, convention going. I will yeah, charge. Yeah, so we can have those <laughs> weird feelings in person and be really awkward at the time. <laughs> I don't like touching people, so don't try to shake my goddamn hand, people. Get away from me. I'm like Donald Trump of podcasting. All right, so let's. uh, what else am I going to do here? I am going to say support the show on patreon.com. Thank you very much for doing that. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? No, I think I was actually incorrect. I thought Poser 3 came out on Halloween, but I think it comes out next week. So I don't know what week. I don't know what day in the future we are right now, but uh, check your store. This is coming out tomorrow. Okay. (laughs) Check your store. Check your store on Wednesday. It should probably be up. Matt, did you have anything you want to say? Now, as I was just said, since you already said, since I rudely interrupted you, sorry again, uh, Clay. Thanks again for <laughs> referencing that horrible episode with uh, Riker turning the phaser up to eleven, because uh, that really made me laugh, and that's why I even try and get to say it to you when I type in my comments on uh, on uh, on on YouTube or on Discord. But thanks again for having me. It's always been a lot of fun, and hope one day you could change your mind again and. Uh, Get us to do it and even change your mind about allowing your child to see Babylon 5 or other shows. Yeah. Well, once <laughs> once the kids are in college, I can open up the uh, the microphone thing as a microphone to all the patrons again if the show is still going at that point. Are Jesus you, Christ. Are that, you expecting like a certain point where your kids are just rejecting taking over the podcast for you? Like they want to go do something <laughs> else, like have a real job. And you're like, no, you have to follow in your father's footsteps. Have, uh, have you finished your EQ exercises yet, Alistair? Uh, I don't Dad, think you I don't have. want. I want to Alistair, go to law school. People need to know. <laughs> the people need to know how Star Trek Discovery ended up being ten seasons, and I don't have the strength to do it. <laughs> hey, according to Midnight Midnight's Edge, Discovery has already been canceled, and they're just running through the, the whatever it is. But um, I'm not going to talk about that on the podcast. Go to Discord if you want to hear me talk about that kind of stuff. All right, I'm going to call it a day. Um, I think we're done. The next episode is, I'm going to click this. It's the mirror episode, right? Shattered mirror. We're back to the mirror universe. All right, Matt, thank you very much for coming on. Clay, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, guys, we'll we'll, uh, we'll call it a day here. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. And we'll see you next time with Shattered Mirror.